0: From the Brainswell Media Studios, welcome to Ad Sales Nation with your host, Ryan Dorn. Each month, Ryan digs deep on the issues and challenges facing media salespeople like you every day. Ryan is a 28-year media veteran, an Emmy winner, a sales coach, and he still sells media every day just like you. Now, your host, your coach, your fellow media sales warrior, Ryan Dorn.
1: Hello, friends. Ryan Dorn here, and welcome to the podcast. If you were in the ad sales business, no matter what you sell, doesn't matter radio, TV, magazines, newspapers, you name it, you are a member of the ad sales nation. You deserve to be here. You should be here. And we are here to support you. So we're going to have a great show uh, coming up today. We've got a revenue tip session from our friends at Open Look Business Solutions. Mike Obert is going to be here sharing some ideas on how to use spec ads to be able to close more deals. Of course, every month we've got our advertising tech tip from the Frying folks over at January Spring. Today we're gonna to be talking about a major change that Google has made that is impacting reviews online and how your advertisers could be impacted uh, by that. So something to pay attention to. We've got questions from Cindy and Mark and Renee. Uh, so those questions, the listener questions will all be coming up as well. So stick around and stay close for that. And then, of course, we've got our topic for this podcast, selling to younger buyers. Even if you are a millennial, selling to millennials, okay? We've got to talk about this and figure out what are we going to do to connect with these younger marketing directors, media buyers, etc. It's tough out there, especially if you're like me. I know a lot of you are over the age of 40. When we're trying to talk to a younger buyer. What do we say? What are, What can we do to better connect with them? And we're going to have a great conversation about this, selling to younger buyers. But before we get to all that exciting stuff, let's pay some bills around here. I'd be a pretty crappy sales coach if I couldn't sell some advertising on my own podcast. So we'll be back in just a couple of seconds. Please take a listen and show some thanks to these fine sponsors of the Ad Sales Nation podcast.
0: The Ad Sales Nation podcast with Ryan Dorn is brought to you in part by Digital Agency January Spring. If you want to offer your advertisers expanded digital services like social media management, digital display, or search engine marketing, turn to January Spring. They do all the heavy lifting and you could reap the profit. You can find out more at JanuarySpring.com. That's JanuarySpring.com. The official CRM tool of Brainswell Media and Ad Sales Nation podcast is the Magazine Manager and the Newspaper Manager. This publishing CRM offers sales, billing, production, and marketing in one integrated package. Learn more online at MagazineManager.com or NewspaperManager.com. Open Look Business Solutions, offering media companies outsourcing solutions to reduce expenses in data collection, audits, sales, telemarketing, ad layout, and so much more. Find out more online at open-look.com. That's open-look.com. Now, back to the Ad Sales Nation podcast with your host, Ryan Dorn.
1: Thanks so much, folks, and uh, thanks for paying attention to those fine sponsors. It is uh, folks like that that make the Ad Sales Nation podcast possible each and every month. All right, selling to younger buyers. Now, some of you that are that millennial age group, you're probably like, really, Ryan? Seriously, old man? Do I need advice to talk to my own peeps? And the answer is, yeah, you do, because here's a simple fact, and we're going to talk about this uh, with uh, Mike here in just a minute. People didn't wake up this morning and say, oh, God, I hope that Ryan Doran calls, I'm looking to buy a print ad. Or, God, I hope Ryan calls, I'm looking to buy a TV ad today. People just are not in traditional media mode. They're just not in advertising mode. For the most part, on any given day, no matter their age. I think a lot of these uh, ideas we're gonna talk about today are gonna intimately apply to people really no matter the age. But there's a lot of confusion out there. Let's clear up this confusion. First and foremost, what are the age groups and really kind of what do they look like? So, baby boomers, those of you born between 46 and 64, 46 and 64 are baby boomers. Now, older than that would be what's referred to by experts as the silent generation. <laughs> I find that to be amusing. I know some of you over the age of 60, you're not silent at all. 1925 to 1945 is uh, the silent generation. 46 to 64 is baby boomers. If you were born between 65 and 1980, like me, Generation X, like Mike and I. uh, Millennials, you were born 81 to 94. Millennials were 81 to 94. Don't send me hate mail and argue with me. That's what the experts are saying. I guess some people fudge it. Some people say 1980 to 2000 is millennials, but I've seen more online that cuts it off at 1994. Um, After the millennials, is going to be the iGen or the Gen Z, probably iGen, those, the iGeneration, 95 to 2012. And then after that, cool name, after that, those born after 2013 are called Generation Alpha, I should put an echo on that. Alpha. (laughs) Pretty cool name. So those are your age groups, but let me ask you this. So let's talk about younger buyers. First and foremost, stop being a millennial hater. That's the very, very first thing. So if you are one of those people over the age of 40... If you're a classical kind of Gen Xer, baby boomer, stop hating millennials. Uh, there's nothing worse than lumping a group of people together. It's completely unfair. Um, it, those millennials listening to the podcast, because you're in the ad sales business, you know you have to work your butt off just like everybody else. And so I applaud you for that. I applaud you for that because it's a lot of work out here in sales land. So I learned a long time ago, what, one of the things I love about millennials, millennials have made me a better salesperson. I'll tell you why. Millennials can sniff old school sales like 10 miles away. Those old school sales sales strategies that you've learned from, from the greats out there over the course of time, that, that stuff's not working on millennials. You try some of those strategies on millennials and guess what you're going to get? They're going to raise your eyebrows and they're going to say, okay. In their mind, they're saying, okay, old man, had about enough of that. So millennials have forced me to be a better fact checker. Millennials have forced me to stop exaggerating, which I have a tendency to do. I'm in sales. Millennials have forced me to be accurate. Millennials have forced me to come with ideas ready to go. Millennials have forced me to be a better salesperson. So I encourage you to stop hating on millennials So let's talk about younger buyers, though. And we're not going to hate on them. We want to talk about them. I've spent literally hundreds, if not thousands of hours, researching younger buyers. When I say younger, I'm saying below the age of 40, because I'm over the age of 40. 46 years old. So the Center for Generational Kinetics uh, discovered this. So I'm going to give you a little quiz, okay? Ordering these, one, two, three, four, five. Meaning, if you're going to communicate with a younger buyer, what is the number one way that they prefer to be communicated to? Is it text? Is it email? Is it social media? Is it phone calls or is it in person? So if you think about what's out of these five things, let's put them in order. One, two, three, four, five. Is it in person? Is it texts? Is it email, social media, or phone calls? What do you think is the first preferred method of communication for most younger buyers, according to the Center for Gen- Generational Kinetics? You might have guessed it. Yeah, number one is texts and texting apps. So it doesn't necessarily uh, surprise me. If you're a millennial out there and you're like, that's not, how, that's not me, well, they're not lumping you together with this group. It's just pretty common. All right, so what do you think would be number two? Would it be email or social media for number two, most preferred method? Number two would be email. Yeah, email's the second. Number three would be social media. So messaging on social media, connecting on social media. Now, in the sales business, social media, LinkedIn is considered social media. We've had a lot of podcasts all about LinkedIn. LinkedIn is my go to resource. If you're not, if you don't have a rock star profile on LinkedIn, come on, you need to get that done. All right. So number four and five, do you think it's what's phone calls or in-person interactions? What do you think? Number four, number five is for younger buyers. Number four is phone calls. Number five is in-person interactions. Holy cow. Just think about this, friends. This is scary. So if they prefer texts first, then email, then social media, then phone calls, then in-person interactions, wouldn't you say that we're in a little bit of trouble? Wouldn't you agree that we close more business face-to-face than anything else? Doesn't the research support that? Yeah. I mean, grasshopper research tells us you're 10 times more likely to close a deal if you pick up the phone. So if that's the case and the research is current, phone is number four on their list. So what do we do? I think we recognize that even though we don't like to text, maybe we don't prefer email and sales. We don't do social media, meaning we, over the age of 40, I think we need to embrace it, figure it out. Otherwise, I think we might get left behind. Now, I want to be clear on something. I don't text people I don't know. I have an opportunity, as rec- I had an opportunity as recently as two days ago to work with a group of millennials, fantastic salespeople. And they even said, hey, if you don't know me, uh, texting me is probably not the coolest thing to do. But once we have some type of meeting, text away. That's my preferred method. So, no matter what the circumstance is, I think we've got to recognize that we're communicating today in different ways than we ever have before, and we need to embrace it. Otherwise, we might just get left behind, and we've got to figure that out. Number two thing to think about when selling to younger buyers I have heard over and over again stop the sales pitch. You've got to stop the sales pitch, and I recognize it. So, what I'd like to share with people is offer help instead of a sales pitch. I really want you to consider downloadable ebooks, videos, Those type of helpful things that really are meaningful to all buyers, including younger buyers, recognizing that a lot of us deal with agencies and agencies, quite honestly, they really, truly uh, do not want to talk to salespeople. They have their information. They want to get it all put together in an RFP or whatever. So I think it's very important for us to recognize that we need to be offering help instead of a sales pitch. Videos are a fast way to sell. Creating those videos on your computer, whether you're using Snagit or a QuickTime built into your Mac, creating really simple videos that help you in the sales process is something that's vividly important. How about this: an e-guide to marketing to our industry or marketing to our community? Offer help instead of a sales pitch, because most of the younger buyers don't want to buy from you. They don't want to hear. They don't want to hear it. Instead, what they want to do is research and they want to make their own decision. So if you help along the process rather than sell along the process, you're typically going to get further faster. And I think that's an important piece. All right. First and foremost, recognize how they want to be communicated to text, email, social phone calls, then in-person interactions. Number two, offer help instead of a sales pitch. And then number three, I think we want to recognize we need to blend in emotional components. Those emotional components mean proof, proof, proof of performance. Most younger buyers won't believe what you're selling. Now, it used to be that if I said something, people were like, oh, yeah, right on. I believe it as a salesperson. Now, for me, what I'm recognizing is younger buyers don't buy it. They don't buy into that, and that's okay. They want us to be better. So you want to come prepared with case studies, proof, reports, as many things as you can bring to them to prove that what you're selling is actually working for clients large and small. Now, you might be saying, Ryan, what if I don't have an example? Success stories can be about longevity. That's okay if they're about longevity and not about widgets sold. Talk with your advertisers. Find those success stories. Record them on video. Get permission to share them. It's very important for number three for you to connect with these younger buyers emotionally. They want proof that what you're selling will work, and there's nothing wrong with that. Now, you might be saying, well, Ryan, I sell magazines and print isn't trackable. Okay, print is trackable, radio is trackable, TV is trackable. Mr. or Mrs. Advertiser, do you want to do what it takes to track it? That's really the question. It is trackable. Unique URLs, unique website addresses is what I mean. Call tracking numbers, unique creative, unique placements. There's so many things that we can do. Tracking pixels as we bring people from those unique URLs. There's a lot of things that we can do to track traditional media Do the advertisers really want to do that? Fourth, we've got to be transparent. If you're going to sell to younger buyers, you've got to be transparent, especially in your pricing. Now, those of you that know me have known me for a long time. I'm a big fan of the package sale. I'm a big fan of taking five media components, bundling them together, presenting one good quality price. The problem is that a lot of millennials see right through that. They're like, "Okay, what's in the background? What did you do in the background? Did you just blow that price up? to offer me a discount, I want to see the pieces and the parts. Now, you might be listening to the podcast today. You might be saying, Ryan, I'm over the age of 40, and I agree with that. It's not whether you're under or over a certain age bracket. It's recognizing that we live in a society right now where transparency is the word of the day. Everybody wants you to be transparent. That's why I get concerned about the pricing grids that so many of you present. So many of you in the magazine business, you've got frequency rate grids. The problem with those frequency rate grids, quite honestly, is that it shows way, way, way too many prices. So if you've got on your rate card a one-time buy and a 12-time buy being at different prices, that buyer is going to say to you, wait a minute, you would charge me one-time 5000 12 times 3000 that means your price is just inflated. Recognize this simple fact And we need to be more transparent now than ever before Now I'm not suggesting to you That you need to put uh, On your rate cards Just one price and that's it One call, that's all I mean that's not what I'm suggesting What I'm suggesting is that Hiding pricing in the background Isn't resonating as well As it once did So I think that's very important to be transparent With younger buyers Now recognizing if, If people respond to buyers, the way that they respond to sellers, and we both are transparent on both sides of the equation, we would have a winning scenario. But recognize the simple fact that that doesn't always occur. I mean, it just doesn't. We're not always going to be transparent. Advertisers as the buyers might not be transparent to us as a seller and vice versa. So we've got to ask some good questions. You might say things like, in an effort to be completely transparent with you, Here's the pricing that we'd like to present to you. And this is how we break it out. I find the more transparent I am, the better younger buyers respond to that pricing. And I think that's important. Now, last but not least, in communicating with younger buyers, and that is keep your sales pitch short and sweet because they're going to see right through it. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that overall an older buyer or a veteran buyer won't recognize this. What I'm saying is. Short and sweet wins in almost every age category. Now, there's something though to be said about about getting your clients into the weeds, taking your advertisers into the weeds. When you are selling digital, especially digital media, you wanna make sure you get people excited about the product, but don't confuse them with all the details. That's part of being short and sweet. Let me give you an example. If I'm selling ad space on my website, I'm gonna sell them a banner ad for a certain period of time. I'm not getting into all the details on the impressions. I know what the impressions are. If they want to buy by impressions, if they want to buy on CPM, I'll sell it to them that way. But for the most part, I don't present it that way. The reason I don't is because it just confuses the vast majority of my advertisers. So my encouragement to you, be short, be sweet, be simple. We're going to talk about that more here in a second uh, with Mike from Open Look as we talk about revenue ideas what do we do to shorten that sales process? What do we do to try to get people to sign on the dotted line? All right, so let's talk about this. Let's wrap up selling to younger buyers. Number one, stop hating younger buyers. They're You know what? We're getting older. They're getting older. Eventually, maybe we'll meet somewhere in the middle. Recognizing the simple fact, number one, the younger buyers want to be communicated to in certain ways. So guess what? We better adopt to the ways that they want to communicate. Number two, you want to be offering help. Your sales pitches that you normally would give, you want to you couch those as you being helpful. E-guides, downloadable videos, those types of, of things. Number three, you really want to focus in on the emotional component that younger buyers have grown up with. They're more emotional about things than a lot of us. We could probably learn from that, open our hearts just a little bit more, all us old, jaded people, right? be emotional that is sharing case studies share proof show them how you wrapped your arms around this data and why they should wrap their arms around the data as well number four be transparent with your pricing we really are going to have a hard time we're going to struggle if we keep hiding our pricing in the background so be careful of your pricing last but not least keep it short keep it sweet all of us would prefer for salespeople not to be wasting their times, uh, wasting their time. And I think that's a very, very important piece. Friends, our goal in getting together on the Ad Sales Nation podcast, give you some things to think about. And every single time we get together, I hope that's what you walk away from here with. All right, we've got so much great stuff still ahead. We've got um, uh, we've got Shannon McBride coming up from January, spring, talking about a big change that Google has made. Um, she'll be up next. And then we're gonna have a revenue idea session with Mike Ober from Open Look uh, Business Solutions. And then we're going to get into your uh, listener questions. And we'll get to those in just a couple minutes as well. Hope you're enjoying the Ad Sales Nation podcast. If you've got questions, send them in to me, ryan at brainswellmedia.com. ryan at Media.com. And we'll get those questions answered. Of course, love to have your feedback as well. All right, friends, it's that time of the podcast. Every single month, one of my favorite parts of the show is when we talked to the fine folks over at January Spring. And I'm thrilled to have Shannon McBride uh, with us today. And and Shannon, one of the things that I was reading about online that I thought would be of particular interest uh, to our audience was some changes uh, that Google made in April to reviews, basically business reviews, reputation management. I imagine that information is is privy to you. Could you talk a little bit about that?
2: Absolutely. Um, So Google back in April... Made a change to their review policy that does not allow customers to solicit for reviews and filter them. And so, a common practice when customers are, are soliciting for reviews is to put what I call a gate in place mm-hmm. where it'll say, Would you refer us to a friend? Mm-hmm. And if the customer clicks yes, the customer is then sent to the advertiser's Google page, their Yelp page, their Facebook page, their you know, site of choice. Mm-hmm. If they say no, they're sent to a private page to leave a review and then it's sent to the customer privately, is not made public, and the customer can then address it at that point. Google has removed or has strongly suggested that you do not do that. And the companies that are providing review management tools are now removing that gate. So when a customer is soliciting for reviews, they need to be very thoughtful. Of the customers that they're selecting for that review Mm -hmm. selection process. So happy Shannon, happy Ryan will likely leave a good review, but cranky Mr. McBride, he may not, even if he was happy. So you just need to be thoughtful in that review process. And again, it's a great, it's very important for customers to have reviews. And it's also a great source Mm -hmm. for our sales folks to establish themselves as credible in front of their advertisers and, you know, invested in their business and making sure they have a good review strategy.
1: Yeah. I, I, am really seeing it in the consumer space or the B2B space, online reviews, according to Nielsen, um, the last advertising trustworthiness survey that I saw online reviews come in at number one or number two, in terms of people, um, you know, interacting with brands, they read those reviews. Now, I, I don't know, Shane, if you're like me, I look at some of those reviews and I'm like, yeah, really? Who wrote that? You know? <laughs> but I do know that I make a lot of decisions. I mean, in general, um, is your observation, your experience? Does it tell you that reviews are very, very important?
2: Yes. so eighty eight percent of consumers now convid- consider the re- reading reviews part of the purchase path hmm. um in deciding who to do business with. and a three star review compared to a four star review. Um, can give you 37% more business if you can get that rating up to a four-star review. And like you said, Ryan, you'll see a review that's totally silly. A lot of customers now know to click on the reviewer's name and see what other reviews they've left for other businesses and find out that that they are just a curmudgeon and they're never going to be happy or that they leave a lot of reviews (laughs) and this might have generally been a negative experience. It's also super important that the business – or the company providing the review service take the time to respond to those reviews because everybody knows not everything's going to go right all the time. Right. And just seeing how the business solves for that can build huge credibility with a consumer.
1: Absolutely. We were doing some uh, VRBO uh, bookings for summer vacation. And I actually, mm-hmm. if I don't see any negative reviews, I kind of think something's a little off. And I, what I like to look at is see, I'll see a negative review. And then how does that rental owner or restaurant owner or business owner respond to that review? Because Jay Bear wrote this book, Hug Your Haters. And yep. the basic premise of the book was, hey, if people aren't happy and they're leaving you bad reviews, hug them. Get up close. It's hard to hate up close. And, you know, I really agree with that. I'm also noticing that a lot of my media company clients are making some money. From reputation manager. They're actually helping their clients get through this Google mess with reputation management. How can they, and you guys help with that. How can you help these media companies make money with reputation management?
2: Absolutely. So they can offer it as an extension of their own and operated services and we can set it up. So it's completely painless for them in that we actually interface behind the scenes, um, white labeled. And uh, check in with the customer monthly to get a solicitation of their clients for reviews. We confirm with them that it's positive, And then we'll even respond on the customer's behalf, hmm. making sure that in the customer's voice, they're thanking customers for good reviews and they're responding to anything that might be negative. And if it's a little sticky, we get the customer involved. But in general, it can be completely hands-free and a great source of a couple hundred dollars a month for our uh, media companies we've got a couple using it right now and are having great success with it
1: excellent excellent well as I like to say when people are saying who is this January spring I always say listen this is a digital agency if you want to offer social media management if you want to offer reputation management if you want to offer programmatic geofencing you know you ladies you do all the heavy lifting and these media companies make money from it and the other thing I tell them is as a media company if you don't offer these services somebody else in your market's going to do it. So you, Absolutely. Might as well, <laughs> you might as well get on board for sure. Absolutely.
2: Well, Absolutely.
1: I am just always amazed. Um, Shannon, you and charity always have your finger on the pulse of what's <laughs> happening out there. So I really appreciate you sharing that with all the podcast listeners. Hey, so let everybody know where can they find you online for more information on January spring? Where do they go?
2: They can uh, just uh, type in January online or they can go out to Facebook. Either way, they will find us and we get back to them right away. Awesome, excellent. And as a
1: side note, you guys go in market. You, Shannon, personally go in market and train these teams as well, correct?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And if um, and if they're doing um, a retraining on their media, their print, and they want to extend digital, we'll come in with you.
1: Oh, excellent. I love the tag team approach. Perfect, <laughs> that's
2: all right. Well,
1: Shannon, thanks so much for our tech tip for this month and folks, Um, I really trust uh, these fine folks. Reach out to them if you want to make some more money and keep your customers really, really happy.
2: Thanks, Shannon. Thanks, Ryan.
1: Friends, we'll be back in 45 seconds after a quick word from these amazing supporters of the Ad Sales Nation podcast.
0: The Ad Sales Nation podcast with Ryan Dorn is brought to you in part by Digital Agency January Spring. If you want to offer your advertisers expanded digital services like social media management, digital display, or search engine marketing, turn to January Spring. They do all the heavy lifting and you could reap the profit. You can find out more at JanuarySpring.com. That's JanuarySpring.com. The official CRM tool of Brainswell Media and Ad Sales Nation podcast is the Magazine Manager and the Newspaper Manager. This publishing CRM offers sales, billing, production, and marketing in one integrated package. Learn more online at magazinemanager.com or newspapermanager.com. Open Look Business Solutions, offering media companies outsourcing solutions to reduce expenses in data collection, audits, sales, telemarketing, ad layout, and so much more. Find out more online at open-look.com. That's open-look.com. Now back to the Ad Sales Nation podcast with your host, Ryan Dorn.
1: All right, friends and fans of the Ad Sales Nation, you know that I'm all about revenue ideas, so I've got something new for you. Almost every month, we're going to have a revenue idea of the month, and I'm thrilled to be joined uh, this month from Open Look Business Solutions. You've heard me talk about them uh, here on the show many times with uh, one of the founders, Mike Obert, and uh, Mike... Uh, thrilled to have you on the show and uh, thrilled to consider you a, a friend. At least I hope you consider me a friend, a friend as well. But some uh, days I do. Some <laughs> days I do, Ryan. Hey, so you've been in the media business um, almost as long as me. Talk about um, what you've done in the media business uh, so people know who you are. And then let's get to talk about some revenue ideas.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Ryan. and appreciate being here. Uh, really looking forward to this. Uh, I've been in the media business since 1990. Uh, first job out of college was, uh, selling ads for a computer hotline, a, a resale computer magazine. Wow. Um, so yeah, that was back in the day. Uh, and then I, uh, worked at Beckett for 16 years, um, and managed all of their ad sales team, uh, for, for many years. But I started as an ad sales rep, uh, at Beckett doing the baseball card, football card stuff. I was going to Super mm-hmm. Bowls and, and all-star nice. games and, nice. uh, Meeting up with the EA Sports and the Nikes and, and Major League Baseballs of the world, so have a, a lot of background in ad sales. Can't ever seem to get away from it. Uh, <laughs> just love it so much. Awesome. Uh, so, yep. That's, that's cool. That's a little bit about, about yeah,
1: me. Yeah. know. Very very cool. So, um, basically, it for the folks that don't understand and don't know uh, what OpenLook is uh, is all about is um you know OpenLook has got an outsourcing solution for media companies. Um, that lets uh, it allows media companies to focus on their core business, and you guys do a lot of the the background work, whether it's auditing, you know, helping with the audits, uh, data collection, data scrubbing. I'm mean, just thinking of all the things that I've had you guys uh, do uh, over the course of time. And one of the things that Mike and I were talking about everybody um, a couple weeks ago were spec ads. Now, in the newspaper business, you know, spec ads are moderately popular, but typically people say to me, Mike, and we all know this, especially in the print side of the ad business. If we can get somebody excited about what an ad's going to look like by putting it in front of them, typically it makes the sales process easier. So if you don't mind, talk a little bit about it. I know you guys can do these spec ads for people at an affordable price. Talk about spec ads and your experience with spec ads and the sales process.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, um, uh, w- One of the things that that when we were talking, Ryan, is that everybody's got those customers that – you know, you might have been talking to for six months or twelve months or even eighteen months and, and you just can't seem to close them. Um and one of the reasons is they're too busy and they can never get to designing that ad or getting right. ad copy to you. Uh so one thing that we found is very helpful, and we've got customers right now that are, are using us to do spec ads, is if you can get an ad in front of an advertiser let them look at something, then you're changing the conversation from a selling conversation more into designing that ad and mm-hmm. changing the ad so that that they like that ad and that they want to, to run that and place it. So people have used this, like I said, that they'll give us some basic content, um, meaning they'll go to their website and, and peel a picture off or hours of operation or, you know, phone numbers, some pretty basic stuff. We'll put it together for them. Um, typically we're charging about $35 per ad, but for the ad sales nation people here, if you guys just throw out ad sales nation, we'll give you that service for 25 bucks. Um, and that will, uh, Get your your advertisers uh, engaged and interested in in advertising and getting into the magazines that you guys are publishing.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Now, I would say, you know, Mikey, by the way, thank you for that special offer to the Ad Sales Nation crew. That's awesome. Um, So that's one of the most common things that I hear, Mike. Man, that'd be great to do that, but we don't have the staff time or whatever. um, So you guys can help with that. In your experience, uh, my experience has been if I can actually bring that spec ad before I get into having to chase these folks down, like use it during the actual sales call, whether it's a radio ad or a TV ad. I know we're talking about print ads here. How do you feel? I think it's going to help if you bring it in in advance.
3: Absolutely. Because everybody that you talk to, everybody's too busy. They don't have time. So if you can even bring it in in advance, wow. I mean, you're just setting yourself apart that you've done the research on the company, that you know what's going on with them and what's going to be important to them. Um, absolutely. I think your, your chances of closing those deals become a lot higher.
1: Yeah. Even if you're meeting with somebody on the phone, on GoToMeeting or whatever, if you can throw those ads up uh, on the screen as you're sharing them. Let's be honest here. I mean, Mike, <laughs> most advertisers and marketing directors can barely run their own business. A lot of these marketing directors are fresh out of school. And so anything we can do to help in the process uh, is helpful. Let me ask you this. You've been doing this a long time. Has this changed at all? Over the course of the last 20, 30 years. It
3: has not at all. <laughs> not one bit. Not yeah. one bit. Um, and like I said, I mean, it's it's easy to overcome that objection of somebody is just too busy. They just yeah. can't get it done.
1: Now, it makes sense. Now, as a little tip for everybody, and Mike, you, you know, tell me what you think of this. What I often encourage my clients to do, as you come across amazing ads in magazines, you hear amazing ads on the radio, you see amazing ads on TV, whatever your media business is, I catalog those. So I've actually got a good old fashioned binder of ads that I found in magazines, newspapers, etc. that are awesome, that I think are great ads. And so then I take those with on meetings to show folks if I come across a radio ad uh, that I love, I'll either wind it back, I'll record it on my phone, those type of things. Flattery or, or imitation is often the fondest form of, you know, flattery. So I like that. What are your thoughts on on collecting ads?
3: Yeah, absolutely. We, we'll even go as far as saying, "Hey, give me five spec ads that that you want to create for five different potential advertisers that you've got," um, and, and using that as a hit list. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. And in uh, picking out ads from other uh, places and and uh, giving those to your designers um, or to our designers to help uh, mock up something, um, yeah, th- it's a home run.
1: I mean, eighty. I think the statistic is. Um... Eighty-six percent of people are visual learners, so because of that, we want our proposals to be visual. We want our spec ads to be visual. And I know that it's a little bit easier in TV, a little bit harder in radio. Um, but uh, media's media, advertisers are advertisers. So whatever we can do to try to help them, you know, uh, in the in the process. So uh, Mike, every month when we get together, we're going to talk about some revenue ideas. Uh, in the meantime, for those folks that are looking to uh, find out more about OpenLook, where do they go online to uh, find out uh, how to connect with you guys?
3: You can find us Ryan at open-look.com and don't forget the dash open-look.com and All my contact information is there, um, and you can find out more about the services that we offer.
1: Excellent. All right. More revenue ideas on the next podcast from our friends over at Open Look Business Solutions. Hey, Mike, um, I didn't prepare you for this. How about if you stick around? We've got our listener questions coming up since you've been selling. um, I'll just say you've been selling longer than me (laughs) since you've been (laughs) selling longer than me. How about if we um, if we bat these questions around together here in just a couple minutes? Yeah, absolutely. That sounds like fun. All right, friends, you know that uh, listener questions, my absolutely most favorite part of the podcast each and every month. So send those questions in, ryan at ryandorn.com, D O H R N, ryan at ryandorn.com. And if we pick your question, we're going to send you an Ad Sales Nation t shirt. Uh, so, Renee and Mark and Cindy, we've got your questions queued up and ready to go. And uh, Mike Obert from Open, Open Look Business Solutions is here to bat him around uh, with me a bit as well. So, uh, Mike, to, yeah, this is cool. Love to um, uh, throw you this one out uh, from I've got three of them here. Mark in Charlotte uh, asked this question. Ryan, I truly believe that CRM tools are an utter waste of my time. Why is it that every sales manager at every sales organization insists on us putting notes in our CRM? Um, Mike, what do you think? I've got some thoughts. What are your thoughts on that?
3: My thoughts is you cannot remember everything that you have got going on (laughs) and those advertisers that that you might have on the cusp or somebody that said, call me back in six months. How are you going to put them in a tickler or how are you going to remember to call those people? So 100 percent absolute. You need to have some sort of CRM to
1: use. No, absolutely. I agree. And um, those of you that know me well know that I use the magazine manager. I do a lot of print media sales. And I do it from an organizational perspective. By nature, I'm not an organized person. I know you all might find that hard to, hard to believe. But what I do is I break my list in the CRM down to prospects, people that are in progress, people that are active, people that are inactive. So my prospect list I manage in my CRM, once I get a meeting with somebody, I change them in the CRM. In Magazine Manager, I change them over to in-progress so that I can monitor my in-progress people. And then maybe, I don't know Mark. Uh, I don't think I know Mark from Charlotte. Maybe, Mark, you just haven't reached the age of 40 yet. After the age of 40, you'll forget things, dude. Trust me. <laughs> Mike, can you confirm
3: this? Speaking from experience, yes. I've, I have forgotten some uh, things. One thing to note, too, I, I use Magazine Manager as well. Some of these CRMs are so slick. That, you know, your email and all your uh, proposals, your templates, they're all within the CRM. So it makes things a lot faster, a lot easier, Mm -hmm. and more consistent.
1: Mm -hmm. Agreed. The consistency piece is important because as salespeople, we're usually not real great writers. Our grammar usually stinks. Um, We should download Grammarly immediately on our computers. And from a consistency perspective, it just keeps you on the mark. So... All right, Mark uh, from Charlotte, hope that's um, helpful and uh, hope you don't think we're poking fun at you, sir, because we're not. We want you to use your CRM. And uh, by the way, tell your boss uh, to send us each 20 bucks for that encouragement. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, Next question from uh, Cindy in Los Angeles. Uh, Cindy says, uh, Ryan, I'm struggling with a sales rep who excels at relationship building as well as asking good probing questions that qualify the buyers. Cool. Um, They're really good in person and over the phone. The next step would be creating a proposal, and this is where this rep tends to miss the mark. There's too much time procrastinating after the sales call, and the rep often misses the window to create and present and deliver that proposal. Uh, What are your thoughts? Mike, um, from my perspective, I think you're on the same page with me. I like to take ideas to the sales meeting itself. I like to be ready to go with some ideas. What, What are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, absolutely. We pretty much have a standard two or three proposals that we offer just about everybody. So you're giving them a choice of what they want, uh, but it's not confusing for the sales rep or for the person that they're presenting to. So uh, as the manager, you might want to uh, have that person already armed with these proposals and help them create those proposals before they even go in.
1: Yeah, I get a lot of people that will say to me, Ryan, how is it that we would create a proposal before having a a meeting with somebody to find out their needs, wants, and desires? And my answer to that is pretty straightforward. Typically, and most advertisers typically do what everyone else in their category is doing. Now, there are some nuances. They may want to do a different kind of creative, or they might want to change the release date. But typically... If someone in the radio business, if the number one car dealer is buying morning drive, afternoon drive and evening drive and not buying middays, it's unlikely that their competitor is going to buy middays. So and the same thing in the magazine and TV business, typically uh, birds of a feather flock together. So I would encourage you, Cindy, to, as Mike said, put some proposals together in advance, go out on those sales calls armed and ready to go, tweak on the fly. Um, But friends that are listening, you know out here in the ad sales nation, don't think you can't go to a meeting with a proposal. Um, You can tweak it on the fly. Um, You know, Mike, are you guys, how many custom proposals are you really doing for your, in because you you guys have magazines in your media business? How many custom are you doing?
3: It's rare. Uh, Majority of the the people that we're closing right now, it's either a sponsorship, uh, where we've already got that package pre-prepared, um, or you know, they're doing some sort of frequency buy for the size of ad. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are we our my best sales rep right now has a pretty much a blank contract that she goes out with to every every meeting she gives the proposal and they sign it on the spot.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And that's my encouragement to everybody in the B2B and consumer space. Don't think that you have to customize for everything. I was just working with an amazing company in Washington, DC. Um, and their name is Hanley Wood. They're just a powerhouse and they're just got great leadership and great salespeople. We had a long discussion about coming to big client meetings with ideas ready to go. And what we came away with was this we can do it. The buffet is large, the buffet is large, but we can do it. Just remember the vast majority of people don't like buffets, they think they're gross. The vast majority. So there's too many choices. And the fact that people are breathing on your food, but there's too many choices. So when you present people with a lot of choices, they tend to not buy anything. Um, What are your thoughts on that, Mike, before we move on to the next question?
3: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Don't, don't uh, uh, over polish the apple. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Give them some sweet and simple. And then if they need something customized, then you can go back, but that's going to be rare.
1: Yeah. What I actually meant, Mike, is do you like buffets? is what I actually meant.
3: (laughs) <laughs> My, can I tell a real quick story? Yeah. My mom thinks a buffet is the best place because everybody can get what they want. Right. And like at a restaurant, you can still get, get what you want.
1: You <laughs> exactly. And nobody's sticking their finger um, in the chocolate uh, fountain, the chocolate flowing fountain <laughs> at Golden Corral or whatever. So. Exactly. All yes. right. Cool. All right. So, uh, Cindy, uh, best of luck uh, on that. And I think you're going to be uh, a raging, raging success. So, all right. Good question from Mark. Good question uh, from from Cindy. And let's um, then move, let's move on to Renee Uh, Renee from Albuquerque. Albuquerque is a cool town, by the way, Uh, Renee Renee from Albuquerque. Face-to-face meetings are becoming less and less a part of my sales activity. It's not because I don't want them. It's because people don't want to meet with me face-to-face. Any thoughts, any ideas, Uh, Renee? I totally understand. Um, It is happening in markets, large and small across the world. I was working with a group uh, in Singapore, exact same thing. Australia, exact same thing. D.C., exact same thing. So I'd give you a couple of suggestions, and I'm going to toss this over to Mike for his ideas. First and foremost, you need to make sure that you use math to your advantage. It might just be that people don't want to meet with you because of the nature of the media that you're selling. I'm not intimately familiar with that. But friends, here's what I can tell you. Typically, statistically... An advertiser will tell you four times, in some way, shape, or form, no. Typically, before they grant you a meeting, four times. From Salesforce.com, statistically speaking, on their website, most most salespeople give up after four attempts. So, if most advertisers they say no four times, and most sales reps give up after four times, that means you're one phone call away from potentially getting a meeting. So we make sure that you use math to your advantage. And number two, if they won't meet face-to-face, try GoToMeeting or WebEx or something like that, join.me. Um, I, sometimes people are a lot more willing to meet on the computer uh, than they are uh, in person. Now, Mike, I know you're a big fan of face-to-face meetings. Um, I know that from talking with you. What are your thoughts on getting more face-to-face meetings?
3: You know, one, one tool that we talked about earlier on the podcast would be those mock ads, give them something to see, give them a reason to open the door, tell them, Hey, I, I, our team has worked on something for you. I want right. to show it to you. Mm-hmm. Give, give them a reason to open the door. Um, and, and I think you have said it in your other, uh, spe- uh, things that I've seen you speak on Ryan, but you know, would ask somebody for 15 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, cause if you ask them for 30, they're going to think it's an hour, right? If you ask them for 10 to 15, then they know it's going to be 20 to 30 minutes. So just go in, Hey, I'm I'm going to be in the neighborhood. Uh, I'll be there uh, at one o'clock on, on Wednesday. Can I pop in and show you this, this new spec ad that I made for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, That might be a great way to open up the door there.
1: Yeah. Agreed. You know, I, I don't know if you've used these in the past. I know we would use redex surveys, Um, To get in the door with people, we would do readership surveys, listener surveys, viewership surveys uh, to get in the doors with people. I'm always looking for some type of ethical hook. And um, I imagine, based on the question you're asking, it's, I think you're a consumer magazine. And so it's a lot of times it's uh, showing up uh, as well. In the B2B space, I'm a big fan of having something to share, an industry trend report, something that you can share with them because Probably they don't want to meet with you about advertising, probably. so. All right, Renee and Mark, um, thanks so much, uh, Cindy, for your questions. And uh, Mike from uh, Open Look Business Solutions. Thanks, Mike, for uh, joining us for uh, these uh, listener questions. Uh, We sure appreciate it. Thanks, Mike.
3: Man, Ryan, that was a lot of fun. Uh, Look forward to it next month as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We'll see you then. All right, friends, that is the Ad Sales Nation podcast for this month. My name is Ryan Dorn. Thank you so much for being a part of what we do and for supporting our sponsors and for supporting me as well. Love to come to your office, train your sales team, reach out to me, ryan at ryandorn.com, D-O-H-R-N, ryan at ryandorn.com. Of course, keep your questions uh, coming in as, as well. If you don't have the budget to bring a trainer into the office, we've got online training available We've got coaching available, all kinds of great resources, and we've got webinars as well over at 360adsales.com. Free webinars, about nine hours of webinars over at 360 360adsales.com. All right, friends, just remember if ad sales was easy, everybody'd be doing it. And they're not, so we're either crazy which is possible, or we found a career that will feed our families for a lifetime. All right, big thanks uh, once again to uh, Open Look and to Magazine Manager and to January Spring and all the fine folks that support this podcast. Don't forget, another great podcast coming up straight ahead, so stick around and stay close for that. All right, friends, God bless you. We'll see you out on the streets.